This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. For starters, you'll be hearing from five different guests today. All of them interviewed the week of February 6th, only days after the U.S. junior women placed third in the Junior World's Relay at Soldier Hollow. In this order, you'll hear from U.S. Ski Team Development Coach Brian Fish, Scramble Egg Skier Haley Swirble, then Julia Kern, Hannah Halverson, and finally Catherine Ogden. There's the brief intro, now on to the coach. Can you tell me how you went about selecting the team? You know, and that's that's a story that really hasn't been told. You know, it is not an easy job to select any relay team. And, you know, we have to make our best judgment is based on how people are skiing at Junior Worlds. And, you know, stepping back and, and looking at, you know, these four and being extremely good friends and wanting to be on this relay team together, um, they needed to earn the right to be on the relay team. And it was down to the last race as to who was going to be our fourth skier. That part of the story is um, is not always easy to navigate for us as coaches and staff. And uh, the one thing that fortunately for us was that, um, and unfortunately, was that Julia wasn't feeling well, and we talked to her, and I really I left it up to to her as the decision as to whether she would race the skiathlon or not. It turns out Kern decided to skip the skiathlon and get well for the relay. So the decision to not register Kern for the skiathlon came down to the last minute, the day before the race. So this is the day before the skiathlon, and we had prepped Taylor McCreary. She was the the person on deck that if Julia did not race the skiathlon, then Taylor would take her spot, which allowed the the opportunity for all three of the ladies, Haley, Lauren, and Taylor, to race head-to-head. Um, Lauren had a, had a 20th place in the classic sprint, so she was sitting well to possibly be on that relay team. And then Taylor also had a 20th place in the freestyle event where she did beat, she did finish ahead of Haley. But we knew that we were really looking for a classic leg and, and Haley in the skiathlon, she was 24th and Lauren and Taylor were 37 and 38th respectively. And her classic leg in particular of the skiathlon was very strong. And so we felt that Haley was the best choice for that. And then coincidentally, that that made it to be those four, as they call themselves, the four musketeers. But each one of those athletes earned the right to be on that relay team. Before the relay began, Fish ran into Haley Swerble out on the course. And I could tell, you know, she was maybe looking for a little advice. And, and I said, Haley, you know, you don't have to to go out and try to win this race. Here's Fish's logic in terms of why he believed Swerble could ski her own race and not feel the pressure of scoring a knockout on the first leg. She just needed to hang in there and keep contact with the main group. When I looked at the start list, Germany put their number one skier out, and uh, she was the number one qualifier in the sprint race. And she almost got knocked out in Julia's uh, quarter, and um, she was very emotional about that. She became a lucky loser in 
in the quarter uh, final, and she was the number one qualifier. So when it came to the semifinal, um, she went out so hard. And so what I assumed was going to happen in that relay, especially with Germany, is they were going to send out their number one classic skier, and she was going to go out like a rocket in exactly what she did. From a tactical standpoint, why, you know, if you were going to flip-flop Julie and Haley and, you know, why Haley does the scramble leg? That's a great question because the athletes also question me, both Catherine and, and Hannah, why don't we put Hannah fourth? Um, because, you know, she has a really good kick. What if it comes down to Norway and Marta and Marta was their anchor and she won the skate race? And what happens if, and, and she has a really good kick, what happens if, and, and Catherine brought this up, what happens if, you know, it comes down to a sprint? And I, I simply said, you know, on World Cup, those teams that are trying to win relays typically put their best classic skier second and their best skater fourth. And the reason for that is generally in the scramble, um, that first a leg is that it tends to be, it usually is, um, a, just a touch slower because you're in a pack setting and there's a lot of movement in, within the pack. And once it frees up and it opens up for that second leg is really where you can produce your fastest legs typically. But I thought, you know, that it would be best to, to have Haley scramble. She's, you know, good in a group. And so so is Julia, and she's generally been our scramble leg. And she was a little surprised when I suggested that Haley go, but I explained it that it's going to open up, and and maybe you can use your speed to keep it closer or any close any gap. And yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Um, we didn't know that that Julia was going to be, you know, at eighty five or ninety percent, but um, that that was the thought there. That's why we put. Uh, Julia second. And the reason why I I thought it was appropriate to put um, Catherine fourth is because of how the course was lined out. It started all uphill. There's a couple little downhills, but there's long sustained climbs. And I was fortunate to be out on course on that long climb. And my radio, the the wax text couldn't hear my radio because I ran way out on the course, because that's where I assumed Catherine would break. I assumed, you know, and I alluded to it when we talked, but I, again, I didn't want to like add any more pressure, but I said, you know, that's a long climb and the, the race is at the front end of this, this course. And she did just that. She, about a th- two thirds of the way up the long sustained climb, she really started to put a surge on and it, and she just maintained it and she just pulled away from the French. And, and then what was cool is the next time I saw her, um, all of a sudden she's closing in on the Italians. And what was a, a 26 or 28 second gap was down to 17 on the top of the course. And, and I was like, oh man, this, this, we might be able to close on Italy. And she almost did. I bet if she had a half a kilometer, she would have closed on Italy. How the snow was, it wasn't, it wasn't slow, but it wasn't fast. And how the course was lined out, I thought it really suited Catherine. And I didn't think by that time it would really come down to, especially in the women's, down to a, you know, just a, 
a slow skiing and then a sprint finish. I thought it would be a sustained um, acceleration through most of the course. And that's exactly what it is. And, you know, and, and both Hannah and Catherine did an excellent job of just skiing really hard right from the get-go. Okay, now it's time to hear from the skiers. First up is the skier from the scramble leg. My name is Haley Swerbel, and currently I'm skiing for the University of Alaska in Anchorage. I grew up in Colorado near Aspen, but moved to Alaska this year for college and skiing, and I am 18 years old. You skied the scramble leg. How did you end up in that spot, and what were your thoughts about it before you actually executed? I ended up in that spot without any of my input. However, that was the spot that I would have chosen had I had any input. The coaches actually discuss it amongst themselves from what I understand and decide who would be the best fit where. But I tend to do well in mass starts and I was really lucky that I was able to get the scramble egg for the relay because that was definitely the place where I can use my calmness and stay focused best and help my team the best I think. You know, if you looked at skiers that you raced against on that scramble leg, maybe in an individual start, they might put more time on you. But in a mass start, you're able to match them. I'm, you know, what is it about you that allows you to do that? I think what allows me to race well in mass starts is the ability that I have to not worry about other people as much and not get frantic. I think a lot of people in the big pack of skiers tend to freak out a little bit and try to move up and waste a lot of energy trying to get into position that's not worth wasting energy. For me, in an interval start, I struggle a little bit more to motivate myself, I think, because it's easier to, to see where you are when you can actually see where you are in a group instead of imagining that there's somebody two seconds in front of you that you could catch. Were you ever at a point where you were stressed? You're, were you ever like, oh my gosh, I, I'm getting a little frantic? Oh yeah. At the top of the first hill, the top of the big hill in the 3K, my legs flooded worse than I think I've ever felt them flood. My legs just felt like lead bricks. And all I could think about was my teammates that are there that are waiting for me to come flying back down that hill in a good position. And I definitely could not let them down. And in a normal mass start, I might have let that pain get to me a little bit more. But because of that relay, because my teammates were counting on me, I really tried to fight through it. And I I left it all out there. It was a painful race. So who did you tag off to and what was going through your mind uh, when you did that? I tagged off to Julia Kern, and all I was thinking was pretty much what I was thinking was like, I'm sorry I couldn't have gotten us up farther. And I think that uh, Julia had put a lot of pressure on herself for this race especially, and I knew that she really, really wanted to do well, as did all of us. And I think Julia might have been more vocal about it, so I really did not want to let her down. And I think... She got a little bit nervous seeing me coming in in eighth, and I was I was so happy we were able to pull it off still. Up next, we'll hear from the second relay leg skier. My name is Julia Kern. I am 19 years old, and I ski for the SMS Elite team, as well as the development team for the U.S. ski team. 
My hometown is Waltham, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston, and I am based training out of Stratton, Vermont. How do you balance an endeavor that presents itself as an individual sport with, say, fostering friendships and partnerships with women who are often your competitors like the three others on the relay team? It is pretty hard as an athlete because us four girls are actually best friends and people, I don't know if people believe that or not, but we truly are and we call ourselves the Four Musketeers and What's really incredible to me is that we are actually truly happy for each other when we do really well. And obviously when, for example, Hannah and I or Catherine and Haley and I were like all racing against each other, I want to beat them. And I think that's the cool thing that we're pushing all each other. But I think when we know one of us girls has a really good race, we're actually truly happy for that person. And I think the cool thing is that we don't get jealous of each other or get angry with each other. We actually feed off of one another's successes and Um, push each other to get faster and I think that has been really cool about this group of girls and um, especially in sprinting Hannah and I have been battling it out and sometimes if we're both in the A final we're like okay at least one of us are going to get on the podium today like we're going to represent the junior crowd versus all these bigger girls and so we kind of team up together even though in the end we end up duking it out head to head. Did you assume heading into junior worlds that you would be penciled in for the relay? I wouldn't say that I was penciled in because there's always question, but in my mind, that was something that I was assuming I was going to be on because 3.3 Classic is probably my favorite race. If that was a race, an individual race, that would be my favorite race, and I live for relays. So that was actually one of my biggest goals of the week. And yes, like you'd say roughly that I um, assumed that I was penciled in, but it's never a given because, again, I was battling sickness, so I didn't even know if I could start the race. How did you feel on your leg and what was your race strategy? I definitely was hurting the whole race. Um, I wasn't 100% healthy and that was really frustrating to me because I was really excited for this relay and I didn't want to let the team down. So I ended up throwing in surges to try to keep the tempo up without redlining because the first kilometer was just this brutal climb. Um, and I knew that my teammates were there and I knew every second counts because every leg is a little bit different. And so I just tried to hang on as much as I could. And then the second half of the course is the course that suited me well with a lot of transitions and double pull and people were really hurting there. So I tried to, um, gain as many seconds as I could and push over the tops of the hills to gain the seconds on the second half of the course. What was something you could take away from the relay that will impact your ski racing going forward? I was again reminded that every second counts out there and um, there were definitely times in the course where I was just I was really hurting and I was like this is I, I don't see our I think our chance our dream of making the medal is going away but then I kept trying to snap back into it and remind myself that you never know what happens in a ski race and their seconds to be gained and so I think I really took away from it that you can you never should give up and there's so much more to just one leg of a ski race and that you never know what's going to happen. What did you do during the race to remain in the moment and not think about the podium slipping away? Are you an athlete who actively uses mental or physical cues during a race like this? I definitely am. I work with a psychologist and I think about um, all those positive cues. Like I'm a strong double puller. This is where I can make time and try to distract myself from the pain and think about where there's time to be gained and um, just focusing on technique is one of my biggest things because then you're going to ski faster and you're going to forget a little bit about the pain. And so that's what I was focusing on to refocus to a positive mindset. What's your emotional takeaway from the relay? Um, I mean, I'm just 
so happy that we were able to share this experience together. And I know that they skied the hardest they could and not every day everyone's going to have the best race. But I think for like for me, I definitely didn't have the best race I could give, given that I was a little sick. And I know that um, the other girls picked up the slack for me. And I think it is really incredible that we were all so fired up and that we all wanted it so bad that we made it happen and as a team. And that's one of the cool things because we saw some other teams out there who really like I would – I would say people gave up a little bit and our team just kept firing and just charging for that podium. Kern then skied into the tag zone after her classic leg to tag this skier who raced the third leg. My name is Hannah Halverson. I'm 18 years old and I ski for Sugar Bowl Academy and I'm a new member to the U.S. cross-country development team. Back to Soho, like I think the venue is just under six thousand feet, maybe fifty five or fifty eight hundred. Does that does that affect you at all? The altitude there. I'm definitely aware of the altitude when I'm skiing at Soldier Hollow. I wouldn't say that it is a disadvantage for me personally because I'm from altitude, lived at altitude, and trained at altitude. But I definitely race differently at a place like Soho than if I'm racing at sea level. How might you race differently at a place like Soho as compared to, say, someplace on the East Coast? When I'm racing at Soho, I actually really learned this this week at World Juniors is that I have to start a little slower and I have to ski with a little less, yeah, a little less tempo and be a little more relaxed at the beginning of the race so that I don't blow up before it ends. When I'm racing at sea level, if I hit a downhill or a flat, I can often recover and get more oxygen into my legs. But racing at high elevation, once you lose that oxygen, it's hard to recover. So you kind of have to start with what you have and ration your energy. What sort of discussion was there with Brian about like what your specific role or leg would be in this race? I didn't know if I would be tagged off in first or tagged off in last. So I saw my role as basically to ski my best and my fastest, but to also, I wanted to put Catherine in metal contention. So when I got tagged off, um, I wanted to get her in with that pack that was third or fourth, fifth. Who is in front of you? Who are you trying to track down besides, I suppose, you know, the Russians and the Italians were, from the looks of it, out out in front? When I got tagged off, I could see Finland and then Sweden and then France. And I caught Finland um, first and then I caught France and Sweden and I skied with France and Sweden for a couple minutes and then I tried to make a break and pulled in the third, but France ended up passing me back right in the end. So I tagged Catherine off in fourth right behind France. It turns out Halverson skied the fastest split of all the third leg skiers. Are you surprised actually, you know, looking at the splits now, does it surprise you that your time was that good? Um, I would say that being in the race and passing the Finnish team and the Swedish team who are often the strongest skiers in the race. Um, I'm not as surprised because I don't think it's a matter of me 
skiing so above and beyond their potential. I think they were just, I think they were really tired. Looking at, you know, the collective achievement, what's your personal takeaway from this? I think my personal takeaway is a little bit bigger than even just skiing itself. I think having that realization that dreams come true, you hear that so much, it becomes cliche, but when you really feel it, it's an amazing feeling to have worked at something and thought about something so much and even seen it within your reach is still not the same as actually doing it to actually medal in that race with my best friends was an amazing feeling. And it just, it confirmed in me that if you work towards something, it's small steps and you slowly get closer and you can do it. And I think this is, we're in a great place right now uh, as skiers in the United States. And I hope to keep skiing with these girls for a long time. And I believe in them and I know we all believe in each other. I'm excited to see what we can do. Halverson handed off to Catherine Ogden for the anchor leg with the U.S. team in fourth. Here's Ogden with her intro. I'm Catherine Ogden. I'm 19 years old, and I ski for the Stratton Mountain School as well as the U.S. ski team development team. When you were discussing with coaches about which leg you would race, was it a fairly foregone conclusion that you would race the last leg of that relay? Um, I think so, yeah. I actually, when Brian told me that, I questioned him because I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in my finishing speed and knew that Hannah Halverson has much greater um, like speed if she ended up in a sprint finish. But Brian reminded me that he had some funny quote. It was like, he said, like, ski the other 3.4K so that you don't encounter that situation. It's more eloquently put than that, but that really just brought the point home. I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, I can do this. I just need to drop everyone before the finish so that I can not be in a finishing sprint. (laughs) And that was a big part of my um, race tactics the next day was just making sure I didn't have to cut it close. You either had the good fortune or the misfortune, depending on perspective, of watching the first three legs play out. And I know, you know, from talking to Brian, it sounded like Haley's job and Julia's job was to kind of keep you guys in the game. Yeah, basically just maintain contact. Were you nervous at all at that point? Yeah, I was super nervous. Um, I knew how much of a dream the podium was, and I was... Mostly, I knew that my teammates were doing what they needed to, and I was a little bit nervous that I wouldn't be able to pull off my part, but then Hannah came in, um, and she was just, like, right there with the, with the podium, and I was, like, I just had a moment of, like, you know what? This is, I can do this. This is exactly what, this is, like, exactly the type of course and the type of situation that I thrive in. And I was like, I can definitely pull us into third. So, but before that I was nervous. Are you the type of athlete that visualizes before a race? No, 
Definitely not. Okay, because I know there are. I do that- everything I can to not visualize before a race. Oh, really? Why is that? Just nerves? Yeah, I think I'd get too nervous if I tried to like plan out every moment of my race. I'd prefer to just have it happen more organically. Hannah hands off to you, and I believe you were skiing with a French skier or closed the gap to the French skier? I think I came in between a French and a Swedish girl. And you caught them fairly quickly? Hannah tagged off like maybe four or five feet ahead of the Swedish team, and so they just never caught me. And then the French girl I skied with for maybe the first K of the race, and then I was sort of waiting for there was a more a longer, more sustained uphill maybe K and a half in. And so I skied with the French girl. I caught her, caught up to her, skied with her up until that hill and then made my move because the longer sustained V1 sections are generally my strength. It was either Haley, I believe, or Brian, and they were talking about being able to watch the race unfold because, you know, Soho is a fairly open view type venue. And they said there was a point where, like, the French girl passed you, you would fr- pass the French girl, and the French girl would pass you back. And there's a, is that how that kind of played out for a little bit, and then you just kind of made a move? Yeah, I passed her in the beginning right when I caught up to her, and then she passed me back. And at that point, I was kind of like, that was when I decided to hold back behind her, especially because I noticed that right after she passed me back, she slowed down considerably, so I kind of knew she was well tired from the fir- from that effort and so I was like you know what I can just cut in behind you and save some energy for a little bit and then be ready to just go as hard as I can when you made your move was that like a full gla- full gas kind of move past her to make it stick yes um, yeah. <laughs> that was like go as hard as I possibly can to make sure she gets dropped and at that point, did you know, I mean, did you, are you the type of skier where you take a look, you know, glance back and you're like, okay, I made that shot and it's stuck and I'm good to go. Or do you not look behind? I generally try not to look behind, but I did. I could definitely tell because I couldn't hear her behind me anymore. It was pretty easy to like hear the person's skis. And I was pretty, I was like pretty confident that I, Head that my move had worked, but I also generally try not to look back because I feel like if I don't, if I look back and see the person is in fact far behind me, then I might potentially slow down, and I didn't see any point in that. And I also I feel like it's not worth like if they if you look back and they're right behind right behind you, then you look back and you kind of like lost a beat. So either way, it's not quite worth it. At what point were you like, okay, this this podium is happening? I mean, I got, I kind of crested the hill and I was gaining on the two on first and second place. And so there wasn't really ever a moment where I was like, yay, podium, because I was really more focused on like, oh, there's those two people. Maybe I can catch them, which I couldn't, but <laughs> I was trying to. Where does a collective experience like this stand in your young career? I think that was definitely the highlight. It was obviously amazing standing on the podium two days before and the whole time all I was thinking about was this is almost perfect what would make it perfect is being up here with my three best friends so and then it happened it was like career high and then career high again two days later let's end it on that positive note thanks for listening to Nordic Nation 